Good morning. My name is Pastor Steve. I have the privilege of speaking today. Welcome you. Glad you're here. And uh, those online, glad you're here as well. So we're going to start out with a nice, warm, fuzzy question, okay? You up for this? Why do you exist? <laughs> What's your mission? I told you it was nice, you know, some of you guys are still waking up. So why, why do you exist? What's your purpose here in life? What's your mission? And as a church, same question. Why do we get together like this? Why do we do all those activities we did that were mentioned by Pastor Matt and some pictures on the screen? Why do we gather together on the corner of 32nd and Central, I guess, or Sweetwater, whatever? Why do we do all these activities? Lots of good things, lots of stuff happening. What is going on? Why are we doing what we're doing? What is our mission? They say a mission statement is a concise explanation of an organization's reason for existence and describes its purpose, its intention, and its overall objectives. Well, there you have it. Sounds kind of businessy, sounds kind of dictionary ee. <laughs> but the question really is with that definition in mind, keep thinking what is our mission as individuals, as individuals as a part of a church? What is your mission, my mission, our purpose, our intention? Our overall objectives. We are, we're a different group of people. We are God's people. We're people who have put our trust in Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of our sins. We've been brought into right relationship with God. We've been forgiven. We're his people. We are his church. We're his children. You, me, us, this family here, but it goes beyond these walls into our community, into other churches. It goes beyond billings into the nation and even around the world. What is our purpose, our intention, our overall objective? What's our reason for existence? Well, good thing is the answer is something that we don't have to just kind of, well, let's make it up. What do you think? Uh, it all comes from our Lord and Savior, our Master, King of Kings, Jesus Christ. And he states it in various scriptures, but two of the ones I'll mention this morning are found in Matthew and one in Acts. And Jesus came to them, the disciples, we're disciples as well. We're followers of Jesus and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So he's the Lord of Lord. He's top. And he says this, therefore, go as you're going, as you're living life and make disciples, followers of Jesus who passionately want to become like him in their thought, their words, their deeds. They want to be like Jesus and they want to pass Jesus on to others. Make disciples of all nations, not just here in Billings, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I, Jesus, have commanded you. And then he throws in this, which is really cool, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So it keeps on going till the end of the age. And then Acts 1.8, he says this, but you, disciples, will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you, disciples, will be my witnesses. You will be the ones that tell people about Jesus. In Jerusalem right where they were, Billings, <laughs> and in Judea and Samaria, I'm sure that's North Dakota and beyond, and to the ends of the earth. In other words, it doesn't stop right here. That's our mission as a church of Jesus Christ. And the interesting thing is every church that claims God's word to be God's word and they follow it, and every church that claims Jesus Christ as their Lord have the same mission. They might do it a little differently, they might state it a little differently, but it's the same mission across the board. We say it this way. We want to be fully surrendered. Disciples, followers of Jesus, 
Christ, who love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love others, not just inside the walls here, but outside, and share Jesus wherever we go. So today we're going to look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 3 to 8. Paul started this series last week on verse 1 and 2, and I'm going to give a little context. We kind of know some of these things already, but it's good to kind of go back and remind ourselves. we got a beautiful relational portion of Scripture. It's a letter written to a group of people by the Apostle Paul from Rome. He's in prison, and he's sending it to a group of people in, 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 a, in a place called Philippi. It's the first church of Philippi, and it was started by Paul. And uh, he started that church. You can read about it in Acts 16. And this letter is getting to them about maybe 10 years after the church was started. And what a unique group it was. Man, you talk about a crazy launch team for a, for a church plant. We got Lydia, seems like a semi-normal guy, wealthy gal, or gal, wealthy gal, uh, seller of purple. Not sure what purple is. I think it's cloth. And uh, I think she was fairly wealthy. She had a home and she... The Lord opened her heart up and she opened her home up and her life up and to get this kingdom thing going about Jesus. And then there was a former demon-possessed fortune teller slave girl that Paul spoke that demon right out of her in the power of Jesus' name and she's a part of this church. And then we've got a jailer that was there, I think, when Paul and Silas were in prison and the, everything broke loose and he came to Jesus and his wife and his family and you talk about a supernaturally transformed, unique launch team to start with for a church. It's, it's kind of a crazy group. But then I think about our own lives, and I look around the audience here, and, and uh, I look at my own life in particular, and I'm going, we're kind of a supernaturally unique, crazy group too. But that's the work of God. He transforms our lives through Jesus Christ, and we're a part of this thing called the church. How many folks were in the church? Paul mentioned last week, maybe 100, maybe 125. I think the average church in America, if you were to look at it, like 85 to 90% are in that realm. So typical size church, and it has some structure. Verse 1 mentioned overseers, kind of spiritual guidance overseers and deacons kind of running uh, with all the, the physical stuff. They got some organization. And we got Paul, and we got Timothy. They're in prison, and they write this letter to this group called the First Church at Philippi. Now remember, it's in the midst of suffering. Paul is in prison. And so he's, he, he, bring me another ink pen, would you please? Thank you. Uh, while he's having steak and eggs and, and uh, just enjoying watching his 75-inch Samsung uh, QLED TV. And uh, by the way, guard, could you give me some more grapes? No, he's in prison. And, I, and we'll probably talk about this more, but I, I looked this up a little bit to get a feel because because sometimes I just breeze by this. Okay, he's in prison. He's writing a letter, but prisoners suffered greatly, and I, I and 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 the prisons were probably packed beyond reasonable capacity, like sometimes the prisons are today. Poor ventilation, stale air, suffocating heat, sleepless place, place uh, you know, rats, whatever, chains, stocks. It was talked about the other sermon a few weeks ago. Most prisons were devoid of natural light, so it's just dingy and dank in there. And without recourse or some help from the outside, oftentimes uh, people just couldn't make it, so friends could help from the outside. And man, I mean, the food and drink was horrible, just horrible. And uh, oftentimes the feud, food was used as maybe a form of punishment, like I'm not going to give you your food today, a form of torture, or even a means of execution. So it was not a pretty scene where he was, Paul was, and Timothy. Prisons were a place of squalor and appalling filth. So it's not a big surprise that people under that profound distress of body and soul, the prisoners often, if they did not become sick and die, kind of wish they would, to be honest with you. 
And it also provides some incredible insight into some of the words that Paul uses when he writes not only Philippians, but Colossians and Ephesians as well, where he says things like, hey, now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. Huh. <laughs> or in Philippians, where we come to it later, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Hmm. Makes those things kind of lift out a little bit more. So the people in Philippi, the first church in Philippi, it's kind of a Roman outpost out there. They now, because of Jesus, have a different kind of commander-in-chief over their life. In those settings, everybody bowed to the Caesar. They didn't bow to him anymore. They bowed to Jesus Christ, and that didn't sit well, so they're under pressure as well, and even persecution, which I think brings poverty and a whole bunch of things. So that's the stuff we're dealing with. Welcome to the church in the first century there in Philippi, you know. So we've got this letter Kind of a Valentine letter, to be honest with you. I love getting letters. I love hearing from people. But once again, I was kind of brought out last week. Imagine you're that group hearing from Paul and Timothy as he writes that letter. Now, Paul is in Rome. He's about 800 miles away from Philippi. We got a little map I think we're going to throw up there. So you can got to get a feel of it. There's Rome up there on the left. There's Philippi. It's a ways away. We got some sea to go across and all sorts of things. So it's, uh, it's quite a journey for this guy to deliver, they sent a guy named Epaphroditus. I'm going to call him the Big E. I just don't like to say Epaphroditus. I think I'm going to stumble on it. But Big E, he's going to bring this letter. And he, uh, they say it would probably take about 24 days, maybe a complete month to get the letter from here to there. Not like our world where I can text something to my daughter in Pleasanton, California. Boop, it's just right there. Um, so it takes about a month. About like our current um, postal service, if you, you know. So... The Philippians, first church in Philippi. So let's take a look now at this scripture, and I hope you've got the journals. We ran out of them. We're getting some more this week. We were hoping to get them in before this weekend. We didn't, so they'll be in this week. So grab one. Do that study. It is so healthy. Observation, interpretation, application. Hope you're doing it. It's such a great practice to pause and pray and then begin to read that scripture for the next week and study it, meditate on it. Lord, what are you saying? Listen to it. And then eventually apply that scripture to you. So observations, who, what, when, where, why, uh, interpretation, what does this mean exactly? And the application, Lord, what, what are you saying to me through it? So let's do that today. I'm going to pray and then we're going to read it. I'm going to give a little commentary as we read through it. So Lord, watch over our time. It's a big deal. Um, we're together gathered. This is pretty cool. Man, those songs, hopefully you sense from our heart to yours that we meant those songs. Those were you're powerful in our life, and thank you. So I pray that you'd speak to us, each one of us. It's just nice and comforting for me to know that I can say about anything up here, and you're going to do something in the lives of people because that's what you do. It's not about me. It's about you. And so we open up our hearts to you. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to read the scripture, add the first two verses that we did last week, and then I'm going to, little tiny commentaries are working through. I hope it doesn't distract you too much. But here's this letter written by Paul in prison, sent over to those folks, the first church of Philippi, and it says this, Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. Man, there's gratefulness there, isn't there? I thank my God, gratefulness to God, to God, every single time that this little church comes into mind, in Paul's mind, for all of you, 
In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Pretty cool when you think about he's being in prison, he's got gratefulness, he's got this joy. That stuff doesn't just, I mean, he's not smoking something. I mean, it's, it's, it's deep from the Lord. He's in prison and there's a gladness in the soul from the Lord and from the Holy Spirit in the midst of all that stuff or all the stuff that's going on in their lives and the kingdom and the memories and it's, it's just cool. Because of, and that's a big word, that because, because that gives you the reason why he's so grateful. Because of your partnership in the gospel. Hold on to that, those terms. We're going to talk about those. From the first day when you guys came to Christ and I was with you and that demon-possessed gal and Lydia and all those until now, so it hasn't just dropped off, and being confident, absolutely assured of this, that he, God who began a good work in you, he knew the transforming power of Jesus will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That means it goes all the way through to where we actually meet the Lord in the future. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. And whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. And God can testify. God, be my witness. God is my witness. How I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. That's a cool start to a letter, isn't it? So you start doing the observations, and to be honest with you, when I got this portion of scripture, I read through it a few times, and I'll, I'll just be totally transparent at this point. I wasn't too excited about this scripture. I thought, Paul, give me the demon-possessed gal or something. I mean, there's some life going on there, transformation, but I kept reading it, kept thinking about it, and still it was just, it was just words on a piece of paper to me. Lord, you gotta help me figure out what's gonna grab my heart and all that. So one of the things I do from time to time is I'll draw the scripture out. So we've got the scripture in, in drawing at this particular point. I heard some snickers. So I showed this to the gang back in the back there and, and uh, I said that my grandkids drew that and they go, oh. And then I told them, no, no. Well, don't tell them that I really drew it, but we'll just leave it at that. But anyhow, it, it just helped me. It's like, okay, we got the big E in the middle. He's kind of looking both ways. He's got letter. He's got money and a, a loving gift for him. And there's prayers going out. And the, the people on the right are the little church of Philippi. And we've got the demon-possessed Lydia and the hammers on him. You know, all that stuff, the Roman influence, the Roman guard. And, but above it all is the cross, and for some reason, that helped me like, oh, this is a very relational thing here. It's like a Valentine. There is gratefulness back and forth. There is joy in the midst of all that stuff, prison and suffering, a gladness of soul. There is affection. There is feelings. There is heart. Those words are actually used. There's I, me, you. They're communicating on a heart level, not just on a, a mind level or just words. There's heart. And it's interesting that word for affection is actually... And once again, no Greek scholar, but that's okay. But I like the word. It's called splanknizomai. Isn't that a great word? <laughs> and, and, and that means kind of deep in the core of your guts, there's this love that they have, this affection. It's a God-type compassion and empathy. So earlier in the scripture, it talks about every time I remember, you kind of get a feeling, well, that's mine. Okay, I remember you. But later it talks about feelings and the affection and heart. Why is this such a big part of Paul's life in prison? And he gives the answer in verse five, because it's the reason, because of your partnership in the gospel. And that's what we want to talk about today, your partnership in the gospel. There's two words 
that I want to pull out of that that we want to talk about and give us our two main points today. The first one is gospel, and the second one is partnership. So I put down this, being on mission. It's all good news in Jesus Christ. That's what it's about. It's all good news in Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. We need to define gospel a little bit. The word actually means good news. Well, I had, a, I had some good news this week. Here and there, different things come up. It was good news. It was like, oh, that's good news. That's good news. But when we're talking about this, we're talking about the good news of what's brought to the world in our lives through Jesus Christ and the salvation we have in him. It's the message that God has given you so that you can experience Jesus Christ as your savior, forgiven, receive his life, be able to live with him. He's with you then, not only now, but forevermore. It just transforms your life. That's good news. That's good news. That's the gospel, the good news of salvation in Jesus so we got God's son who steps out of heaven. God, the second person of the Trinity, steps out of heaven onto planet Earth. We celebrated it at Christmas. He lived an absolutely morally perfect life, experienced everything we do, yet without sin, but all for a reason. It was so that he would willingly give himself as a sacrifice on the cross on our behalf to pay for our sins, and he did that. But then it goes on, and he rose again. He rose. He resurrected from, from, from the dead. And as a result of all of that, he's given us life and all the benefits of that salvation. That is good news. So Jesus is at the very core of the gospel, that kind of Christianese word that we use, meaning good news, good news. And by the way, that good news of Jesus is at the very core of our mission as a church and as individuals, our purpose, our intention, and our overall objectives. We're to live it and to get it out there. So everybody has an opportunity, the good news of Jesus Christ. That's the call on all of our lives from Saul all the way to where we are now. Paul, in fact, he says, whether I'm defending, apologetics is the word there, reasoning, or confirming, verifying the gospel, Jesus, the good news. That's the mission. That's why we exist. That's why Paul is doing what he's doing. That's why he took all these journeys those weren't cruises. I mean, he's, he's, they're purposeful journeys. They're missions. That's why he is pouring out his life like this right there. That's why he's taking beatings and he's in prison. That's why even this letter, why would he give a rip about those people over there? He's in prison. He's suffering. But that's why he's excited about their growth, like we saw in verse 6. That's why there is a connection between Paul and the first church of Philippi is this is this mission, the gospel. That's why they are supporting Paul, not only with their prayers, but there's an offering they took and are helping support him, not only as a person in prison, but also the ministry and mission that he's on. And it's for long term. They didn't, you know, when they heard his sermon 10 years ago, they didn't go, hey, man, that was good guest speaking there, Paul. They stayed with him for long term. Hey, that's why they sent Big E to bring the gift and bring the letter back. It's all about mission of the good news of Jesus. And by the way, when we're on mission, that mission shapes everything we do. It's the reason we do things. It also, it also tells us what we shouldn't do if we're not on mission. So you got that point, go get them. It's the gospel, good news of Jesus. But the other word is so important in that little statement that he makes to the church, first church at Philippi, and that's the word partnership. It's all, being on mission, it's all good news in Jesus. That's the gospel. But being on mission means together we, partnership. Partnership, the word there is a, is a, is a fairly common Greek word that maybe you've heard flipped around once in a while, and it's koinonia. 
And that means fellowship. That means communion. That means sharing. That means participation. It's a term that conveys a sense of commonality, solidarity, and shared responsibility among a group of people. Okay, so that could be a bowling team. Well, could be, I guess. Could be a book club. Hey, we all get together and read the same book. But in this scenario, in the scripture, it takes a much deeper meaning. In our case, together we are in Jesus and on his mission. Verse 5 talks about the partnership, the fellowship, the sharing, the communion, the participation in the gospel, in the good news of Jesus Christ, and we're on mission. Verse 7, in fact, Paul says it another way. He said, all of you share in God's grace with me. You've experienced that transformation power of Jesus Christ and, and the grace that he's blessed you with and, the grace, and we're blessing each other. We're sharing. And, that's, and that word sharing is the same word, root word as the one partnership as well that I just mentioned. Thus, we're in this cause of getting the good news of Jesus out there on mission together we in partnership. In the scripture today, you see it. I could feel it after I drew my little picture, just spent some time. I could just feel it. It's so relational. Not only was he remembering them in his mind, but no, he had them in his heart. There was great affection. Splanknizomai, that word we mentioned, compassion, empathy, mercy. The church, those in it, boy, Paul saw them come to Jesus. He saw the transformation of Lydia. She opened up her heart. She opened up her home. She opened up her wealth. Demon-possessed gal set free. By the name of Jesus, he saw the jailer, talked him off the cliff, so to speak, as he was ready to take his life there because the prisoners were loose. He came to Jesus, so did his wife and his family. You're in my heart, reflection of God's affection. There were prayers back and forth going on. There was support, some finances that the big E was bringing, maybe some food, maybe some clothing to make his time in prison just a little bit easier, support for the ministry. There was encouragement. Paul writes this letter from prison. What, what in the world? And Big E takes it to them. Responsible person, probably a tough guy to go 800 miles with some money and stuff. And it way, like I said, I went way past. Thanks, Paul, for coming and speaking 10 years ago. This is enduring, this relationship, this partnership. 10 years, it's still there. And it also says, till the day of Christ. The mission is until the day of Christ. On mission, it's all about the good news of Jesus. On mission of the good news of Jesus, together we partnership. Love it. What a great example here in this scripture. Sometimes my mind goes here and there. My kids say, yeah, dad, you, you see a squirrel and you go there and I'm working on this stuff and all of a sudden I, I go, yeah, but what if? What if Philippi had succumbed to the persecution and just holed up and did not support Paul in his missionary journey? Hmm. What if Paul and Timothy stuck in prison, tough place. Hey, just, just thought about themselves. Just kind of curl up each night and suck their thumb and cried, which they, maybe they did anyhow, but they didn't write the letter to the first church at Philippi and those young believers in the church there and talking about the good news expansion and all that. What if Big E would have taken the money and run? <laughs> you know, went to Jamaica or whatever. Or, or, or I start speculating. I go, stop, Steve, stop, Steve. They didn't do that. They were on mission. They stayed on mission. They didn't miss the mission. And it is so easy to get off track and miss the mission. I wrote down a couple things in my notes. I could probably write down 100, but one is you got to make sure you don't let the good replace the best. You don't want the better even to replace the best. You got to stay with the best. There's so many great causes out there, so many things clamoring for our attention. 
I get mailers just like you do. But as followers of Jesus Christ, got to stick with the best, and that is the mission of that eternal stuff in Jesus. There's another thing that happens sometimes in churches where we get so concerned about doing things right. Well, that's the way we've always done them. That's the way we did this. That, that's the way you're, you've got to worship at 11, you know, and all those things. Doing things right as opposed to doing the right things. It's almost like we fall in love with the methods and we miss the, the message and the mission. I got, I got many, many, many examples of that. I'm going to share two quick stories. I've got a little more time this time. One was, uh, one was from my my life with my wife, Janice. And uh, Janice and I, we were not a perfect couple. We had a great marriage. We were not a perfect couple. And we, we would, I mean, both of us are strong-willed. We'd get into it. You know, Luke can attest to that. I was waiting for an amen, but he didn't. <laughs> but there was, and, and, and I'm going to say virtually every time when we got into those things, we'd get going and then the kids, they'd kind of weigh in. And then one of the kids would usually say, Dad, you're wrong. And... Uh, and, he, and they were right. He was right. Usually it was Luke. But anyhow, but anyhow, we had this uh, Charlie Loshbell. Some of you guys remember. He used to be a worship pastor here. Charlie and Lori, hospitable people, fun people. They, they would open up their home for everything. Well, they were going to do a garage sale. And they said, Steve, Janice, you guys want to jump in on it? And yeah, let's do it. So our mission was to defoliate the house, get these things ready to go. All good. We're on mission. We get these things ready to go. We haul it over there on a Thursday. We line it all out, get the prices on, cover everything with a tarp because at 8 o'clock Friday morning, doors are open, garage sales on. But we're going to sell. We're going to defoliate our house, sell these things, and hopefully make enough to maybe buy a pizza or something. I don't know. <laughs> so we're pretty excited about it. We got all, got all ready and... And uh, we're over there at 7. We're kind of taking things, getting things ready, taking off the tarps. And uh, at 7.30, a guy rolled in for the garage sale. My wife says, what's he doing here? It's not time to start. And uh, my little brain was kind of starting to work, you know, and it's not time to start. And uh, Steve, tell that guy to get out of here. It's not time to start. Well, then I, I, I thought in my brain, okay, I, and I actually pulled Janice. I said, Janice, what are we trying to do? Well, we're having a garage sale. I said, what are we trying to do? We're trying to sell this stuff. What's he trying to do? Trying to buy the stuff. You know, and I let it sit there a little bit. And then I said, sweetie, he, he, that's, that's the mission. We're accomplishing it. It's just a little off time. And it, it didn't set well with her for about 20 minutes, but we got over it. But sometimes we get so concerned about the details and how we used to do it. No, you can't do it that way. No, you, it's like we fall in love with the methods rather. And they can change all over the map as long as they're not non-biblical or something. But man, it's the message of Jesus and it's the, uh, the mission that we're on to share Jesus with as many people as we can. I remember, I don't want it to be story time with Steve, but there was another time when, when uh, a pastor called me and said, hey, Steve, can we borrow your snow, snow cone machine from Faith E? It's like, yeah, of course. And uh, it was kind of a neat little machine and we'd do snow cones like at VBS. And they were doing a VBS and they wanted to do snow cones. And so the pastor brought it up at the meeting with the little planning team and, and he said, hey, we've got the snow cone, from Faith, snow cone machine from Faith E and this is going to be great. It's going to draw the kids in. And one of the gals in there goes, no, 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 no. We can't do that. First of all, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be, there's going to be sticky stuff on the sidewalks. <laughs> Secondly, it's going to create some ants that are come in. And thirdly, too many kids are going to come. It's like, you miss. So anyhow, doing things right versus doing the right things. You can miss the mission. But the biggest culprit, 
The biggest culprit, and there's many of them, the biggest culprit to get us off of mission is what I refer to as being on mission. You go, Steve, don't get cute. Well, I think you'll probably remember this because rather than being on the mission, the powerful mission of Jesus Christ, we get on mission all about us. Individually, we get sidetracked. It's all about me. I find when times are really good in my life and I find times, well, practically every kind of situation in my life, whether it's good or bad, I can just kind of get lax. I can get personally introverted about myself and my problems and I can get on mission rather than stand on mission. I think of the uh, people in my world right now that are walking through loss. And, uh, you know, a little bit of my story, my wife passed away a few years back, and I'll tell you what, those are hard times. Those are hard times, and it's very easy to kind of disregard, like the song we had today about God's goodness and his faithfulness. It's like, yeah, really? You know, you got me in your hands and all that kind of stuff when you hit those times of loss. But I got a group of people in my life who, in Grief Share and some of the other ministries in the community, and I know some of those people that, man, we're weeping and crying together, but... I tell you what, they say things into my life and we speak into one another's life, we pray for each other and a lot of it is around staying on mission, not on mission and sucking my thumb and going, that's the end of my life. You know what I'm saying? It's tough, but I'm glad we have the body of Christ partnership together. Now, it's not all about me, mission. It's all about him and his mission. We had a gentleman that used to attend here. He's in another city now. Wonderful man, I'm telling you, great guy. When he first came to Christ, he would come to church, and he was a man of means and influence in the community. And uh, he would give $5 in the plate and walk out of here, and he'd share this with me. He said, I used to think, man, that was a good show for 5 bucks." But then the Lord got a hold of him, grabbed his heart, and he got on mission. He influenced so many people through the way he led, through the example of his life, through his giving, even globally, it was really cool to see. It's beyond us. It's beyond mission. It's a mission. And corporately, we can get missionized as well. We can think about our little world here, but it goes beyond us here at Faith E. We go, it goes beyond these walls. We're part of a group of churches called the Western Conference. We're in it together in our denomination. It goes beyond the denomination. There are so many good churches in our community that are speaking the same thing, have the same mission. Just do it a little bit differently. We're partners with them. It goes beyond these church walls. It goes into our homes. It goes beyond our homes, into our neighborhood. It goes beyond the neighborhoods, into buildings. It goes beyond buildings, into our nation. It goes beyond the nation. It goes globally. And by the way, I see this scripture all over Faithy over the years and even now, and I see it growing even more than it used to be. We're involved locally, regionally, globally, getting the good news of Jesus Christ together out there. Locally, we do we partner with a few. Can't do them all. We partner with a few groups here in the community. Child Bridge just met last week. It was a great, great evening. Uh, the Veterans Lunch was just mentioned. Good job. Good job. Way to release the building and resources and people to do something bigger than us. Regionally, man, we've helped with church plants. We've planted some churches ourselves. We've released staff. Those are challenging times. Um, as you do that, we support those churches. In fact, we had a couple of our, our leadership uh, do something that a lot of you don't know. They, went, they took a trip to Sheridan, and we were able to release a check to Sheridan Church, Illuminate Church, as they were caught in a bind with their lease came up. Guy had every right to pull the lease on them, but they had to raise so many dollars in their smaller church, and, 
And anyhow, we were able to send a, a good healthy check down there. And once again, not way to go faithy, but I'll say it, way to go faithy. Have that kind of heart. It's bigger than us. So we got a little video. Uh, Pastor Greg is going to thank us. So fire that up. Hey, what's up, Faithy family? Uh, my name is Pastor Greg. I'm the pastor here at Illuminate Church in Sheridan, Wyoming. This is my youngest daughter, Britton. My oldest is actually filming this right now. But we have a little storefront church on Main Street in Sheridan, Wyoming. We are part of the uh, Western Conference of the Evangelical Church. So we're kind of, we're your, we're your little sister in Wyoming. We were given the option of uh, buying our, where we're at. And we had three months to try and raise $120,000. And um, the Lord moved through uh, several people. And you guys were one of those uh, fellowships that did that. And I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. When you guys gave, um, it actually pushed us over our mark just last week uh, to, to get that building. And so we are so humbled here. Um, we we are excited. We um, can't wait to see what the Lord's going to do here and just continue uh, ministry through our clothing connections and um, and just through meeting people where they're at. But Faithy, thank you so much. You have no idea how big this is to us and that you guys were involved. You, you're involved in something so much bigger than you know. So anyway, thank you. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, we, uh, yeah, thank you, Lord, that we're able to be in that position and do that and keep them in your prayers. By the way, in your worship guide all the time, we've got some little prayer people or prayer situations down below requests. And there's local, usually one of our local partners we partner with, one of the local churches that are of a different denomination than we are that we pray for, and a local and a, and a, and a regional in our Western Conference, one of the churches, and then a global, one of our global partners. So don't bypass that. Stop and pray for those on a weekly basis, just like Paul prayed for the Philippians. Hey, the mission, it's reflected in the budget. It's reflected in the building. It's why we built this place, was for mission. It wasn't for us to hole up. I'm so glad that we use it for so many things. Sounds like we hosted a funeral that really, it was a part of a family that we know, and uh, 25 people came to Jesus here. It's like, I'm glad we've got that mission, mind, and heart. And, and it's more than just the mind. It's the heart, affections, just like it was in this scripture. So being on mission, it's all good news in Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. It's being on mission. It's all about the gospel. But together we partnership. i take a time to share a little story with you. Um, first service, I said it's kind of story, story time with Grandpa Steve, Okay. My uh, kids used to always say, when I tuck them in, hey, tell me a story. And usually they'd ask for the one where I got in a fight in the Senior West game, but we could, we're not going to tell that one. <laughs> but I'm going to take you back in history to about 1984, somewhere in there. And uh, Faithy was on the move as far as uh, growth, and it was, it was happening, and we needed to expand our building there on the corner of 29th and Broadwater. And there was a pastor in the community that lived up the street, I think on Howard Avenue, and he would observe what was going on. And I know him now. He's a, he's a good friend. We don't spend a lot of time together. When we get together, it's, it's a good, good companionship there. But he'd always watch, and he had a small little church that he was uh, watching over, I think, down on Cook Avenue. And uh, he would watch, and he would pray that young people would come to his church, and he would watch me play Frisbees out in the parking lot with the youth. And it was, uh, anyhow... And then one day he was doing his sermon, getting ready, and the Lord 
prompted him, like he prompts all of us to do things on the kingdom adventure, prompted him and said, you know, Pastor Stan, you ought to you give some money to that Faith E Church. Oh, he's a different denomination. And first he kind of just, you know, kind of dismissed it a little bit, but then it was from the Lord and it came back very strong. So he took it to his board of that smaller church and they said, boy, that sure sounds like Jesus and gave us a check for 10,000 bucks. That was big back then, big. And it's like, what in the world happened here, you know? Well, 20 years into the future from there, about 2004, we're on this big adventure moving from 29th and Broadwater over here, trying to expand the kingdom through a tool called a building. And we had, yeah, we were, we were working hard on it. A lot, of, a lot of moving pieces. It was a challenge. It was a challenge. And one of the challenges was to get enough of a loan, because we're talking millions of dollars, which was just huge to all of us, to get a loan to kind of move the project along. So Lauren Soft was at the rental place. We're down on HKM. It's now a reciprocity down here on Central. Lawrence Soft is our kind of a executive pastor, and he's on the phone trying to get the loan with a lending agency in California. It was a good, good potential. He's on the phone, and they said, you got to have so much money set aside for us even to loan to you. Well, we didn't have it. So he calls up Terry Dobson, great guy, man of God. He's gone to be with the Lord back a few years ago. And so he's got both phones going. We got, uh, we got the lenders and we've got Terry. Lenders are saying you need more. Terry's saying we don't have any more. And as he's on the phone, a gentleman walks in with an envelope in that office down there. So Lauren knows who it is. He kind of waves at us, Pastor Stan, and, and he kind of waits a little bit. And he, he says, hey, I was hoping to see Steve, but Steve's gone. But Lauren, I know you and just want to give a little something to you guys on your journey. And uh, so now a little backstory. So prior to that, about eight days, Pastor Stan was working on a message on giving. And in his heart, the story of their church giving 20 years prior to that came up. And he said, okay, we'll give him 10000 the Lord basically said to him, what's 10000 work today? 100000 100000 Oh, boy. So he went to his board. His board said, sounds like Jesus. Let's give it. Brought it in that exact moment where Lawrence, his hair was already gone, but he's pulling his hair out, <laughs> trying to get this loan, but we didn't have, and gives him that deal for $100,000. Lauren comes to my house. He's in tears. It just blew him away. It blew all of us away. But I'm going, that's, that's an example just like the scripture we got in today, partnership in the gospel, it goes way beyond our little worlds. It goes way beyond our denomination. Man, people around the world, Billings, nation, globally, we're on this mission to get the good news of Jesus Christ and his transforming power out there. We kind of get hung up on those other things and we get on mission, but we're on mission. I'm glad our church has the same attitude as that illustration mentioned let's close it up let's bow our heads today if you're here today and uh, you're kind of at that point where you go I need to put my trust in this Jesus it's right for me yep I need to do that I know it's right I want to surrender my life to him today by faith Go ahead and do that right now. Just say, yes, I believe. I put my trust in you alone as my Savior and as my Lord. 
just do it right there in your pew, your chair. And then I just, uh, man, yeah, 30-some people have done it in the last few days at funerals and different events, church services last weekend. If that's you, you put your trust in Jesus today, um, would sure like to know that. I'm not going to embarrass you, but every head's bowed. But if that's you, just raise your hand and glance up at me and we'll do our best to get you on the journey and get you moving. Well, Lord, you've got this little group called Faithy assembled on the corner of 32nd and Central for a reason bigger than uh, ourselves, for a reason bigger than, man, even just our little church here. It's bigger than that. It's bigger than any just great cause out there. No, this is eternal stuff. Help us to stay on mission about your good news of Jesus Christ and man, individually in our neighborhoods and at our workplaces, no matter where we're at, but also as a corporate church here, that we would be open and giving and resourceful as much as we can locally, regionally, globally, and be on mission, not about mission. Help us, and even as we leave here today, I think you're gonna bring to mind some things where we can get back on mission, where maybe we've fallen short, and convict us of that, and help us to kind of refocus, get back on you, and what you have us here for, and our reason for existence. Love you, Lord. Thank you for this church. What a blessing it's been to so many people, and we want to continue to be that. So guide the leadership. We've got good ones. Be with them. Help us be an encouragement to everybody. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So you guys are going to take off from here on mission. And uh, you are going to bump into people this week and be in certain situations. And, man, just see every single encounter as a part of the big, the divine drama that's unfolding. And you can move people toward Jesus for the first time, or you can move them even closer to Jesus by who you are and what you say and what you do. So, and, man, if you're prompted to write that note, if you're prompted to make that phone call, do it. You never know what timing that is in the other person's life, just like that gift that came to our church that one time, which is big. So uh, don't miss the opportunity to be on mission. You're dismissed.